Hey guys, my name is Brian Davidson. I'm a Covenant member here at The Well. Uh, I'm also a missions resident uh, on the missions team here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I recently just got back from uh, Central Asia, uh, and you can read a little more about that team. We got to see God do a lot there. Um, and you can read about that on the blog. But I'm going to be reading uh, our scripture today, uh, Romans 8, 12 through 17, in Japanese. ですから兄弟たちよ私たちには肉に従って生きなければならないという肉に対する義務ではありませんもし肉に従って生きるならあなた方は死ぬことになりますしかしもし見たまによって体の行いを殺すならあなた方は生きます神の見たまに導かれる
And so he should not be feared, but rather embraced as a person of the Trinity that we have relationship with. And so I hope that you also saw throughout this series, kind of the, the second hope was that you can begin to see this like biblical balance between like the things of the word and the things of the spirit and how those two things are actually not at odds with one another. In reality, they're in unison with one another. And the more we learn how to unify them, the more we will be alive in Christ. And so as we conclude this series, uh, I want to look at what it means to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. What does it mean to cultivate this depth, to cultivate intimacy, to, to really begin to drive this connection to this heavenly deposit? to this spirit of redemption, to our seal of reconciliation towards the spirit of life that is within us. I, I wanna take some of the theoretical things that we have been talking about throughout the series and really try to make them practical today as well. And so we're sort of taking several different thoughts if you've been journeying with us and hopefully wrapping them up as we conclude today. Essentially, how do we apply what we learned all right, like, like not just like, oh wow, that was really cool, like I, I learned a lot, but how do we actually begin to, to put those things into practice? So that's where we're going today, cool? All right, we ready? Cool, before we dive into the Romans passage, that's where we'll be the rest of the afternoon, but I want to flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This was actually our benediction for the first two weeks of this series, and it's really gonna launch us into Romans 8 well so that you can see some of the theology that Paul has about the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I love this kind of Trinitarian worship passage here. Just as a quick aside, but a kind of an important note in the midst of this, like how often do you meditate on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see that phrase there, right? Like, like God's grace upon you uh, this is astounding, and we could sit the rest of the day in just that idea that Jesus' grace is with you if you would but receive it or meditate on it or walk in it like, like God's grace is ever before you, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are often walking in this self-condemnation or in the lies of the enemy, but Christ's grace is extended to you, dear friend. It is extended for you to receive. Not only is God's grace extended to you though, but look at that other uh, phrase in this passage, also is the love of the Father. Like, like do you truly believe that God loves you? Um, do, do you really uh, meditate on that? Do you believe that God's love is over you or for you or even that God's love is with you, like guarding you throughout the day and guiding you when you are downcast or when you are in turmoil? Do you believe in the Father's love? You see, Paul wants us to have the grace of Christ, which I think we would all say is important, and the love of the Father, which I think we would all say is equally as important that we know and understand, and he wants us to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
That word fellowship there in the Greek is the Greek word koinonia. I'll be using that phrase throughout this passage. It translates in multiple ways. Fellowship or communion is the same word, or even intercourse is the word for koinonia. And so it's this deep sharing or this deep connection or this deep intimacy. Paul wants you to have this with the Holy Spirit of God. Koinonia And so relationship with the Holy Spirit is indeed possible. Fellowship is not just possible, in fact. It is so important that Paul would finish his letter to the Corinthian church, mentioning it in the same breath as the grace of Christ and the love of the Father. That's how important he thinks fellowship with the Spirit is. Like all of us would highlight the importance of grace and the importance of God's love, but would you highlight the importance of the fellowship with the Spirit? Most of us kind of count that as like a tertiary issue, but for Paul, this is how he concludes his letter. And so how do you have fellowship? How do you have communion? Are you intertwining with the Holy Spirit of God inside of you? Do you have this? And how is it that we can gain this? Because I believe this is where so much empowerment for ministry happens. I believe that this is where all of the joy in the Lord is found. I believe that there's all of the sanctification that is in Christ that is found as we have fellowship with the Spirit of God. As we become one with the Spirit, we experience the things of the Spirit, and the Spirit is Christ, which means we experience Jesus. We want the Holy Spirit of God. And so, how do we do that? Well, it goes back to week one. We have to realize the Spirit is a person, that God is a relational being. He's not just some distant force in the universe that could care less about you. He is as relational as you and I are sitting here right now. The Holy Spirit is a relational being. That's why in Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse 19, it tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit. Those are relational terms like grieving or, or wounding or quenching so as to not be as interactive. The point being, Christ did not leave you as orphans, John 15 would tell us, but he left himself, which is the Spirit of God, because Jesus wants relationship with you. And we have that through the Holy Spirit. Do you walk in koinonia? Do you walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God? How can we practically apply this so as to gain that fellowship? Well, we go to Romans 8. And what I wanna do is I wanna give us multiple ways today, and I'll be real, all of them are starting blocks, all right? We're not gonna walk through piece by piece, but I would encourage you, find where you're missing this fellowship, get in that starting block, and run with the Spirit of God. Romans 8, Paul says, there's a way to live, and there's a way to die. We die when we are living by the flesh, when we do whatever we wanna do, and we experience life when we walk in the Holy Spirit. And so how is it that you have relationship with the Holy Spirit of God? Um, Stop acting ratchet, okay? Um, That's the first point, is stop acting ratchet, all right? I think I said it more eloquently up there. I'm not sure what I said, okay? But stop tripping, all right? Kill sin, there we go, that's it. Travis talked about this in his sermon, right? Like sin ruins our relationship with the Spirit. You see, what happens is we be acting trifling and then we wonder why we are out of sync with the holy and perfect God. 
We wonder why there's no intimacy and there's no connection. We grieve him as, as Ephesians 4 says, and by doing this, we miss the koinonia that is ours in Christ. Sometimes we are missing covenant relationship with the Holy Spirit because we are in adulterous relationship with sin. And those two things are polar opposites. You see, the word and the spirit, those are not polar opposites. They act in intertwining relationship. But sin and the spirit, those things do clash, family. And when we are in sin, we're missing the fellowship with the spirit. It's like trying to have a communion or fellowship or, or koinonia with your spouse and with another person. That ain't possible. It is ruinous. You will have not intimacy or depth with either. And so this is happening with the spirit as well. Now, I will say this, whenever we talk about sin, it can sound burdensome when it's just kind of left out like this. Like we have to do all of this work to, to murder sin in our life. Or we can act like it's moralistic, like, like if you and I just try a little bit harder, then maybe we'll have a relationship with the spirit. But that's not actually what this text says. Go back to Romans eight. Who is it that puts our flesh to death? It ain't you. <laughs> Right? It is the Holy Spirit of God that is partnering with you to help you kill the sin that is plaguing you, family. This is good news. You are not an orphan. You are an adopted son or daughter of God. The Holy Spirit is partnering with you to kill the sin in your life. This is so important, right? Because not only does he empower us for ministry in the world, not only has he given us dreams and visions of Jesus coming to us and then, and then connecting us to believers, but he's also doing this work inside of you to help you look more like Jesus too. This is the role of the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit in some ways is, he's like the source or the power that we plug into. And as we plug into the Spirit, we find the energy that it takes to kill the sin in our life. Romans 8, 12 through 13 on the screen. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. Mark chapter three, verses 28 through 30, et cetera, et cetera. It's not hard to read the scriptures and see you don't kill sin, the Spirit does. You just partner with the Spirit to put that sin to death. And so part of how we walk in koinonia with the spirit is we kill sin, we walk in holiness, and through this we're seeking this intimacy, this relationship with God. In this I believe we find this joy, this freedom that sin would never be able to offer our souls, family. You see, sin offers you, the, 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 the presentation that sin gives to you is this momentary happiness, but the presentation the spirit gives to you is eternal joy, which would you rather have? Um, let me make this a little bit more practical in case thinking about sin is a little bit too theoretical for you. Let me make it personal as well. Um, the times where I feel most insensitive to the spirit, <clears throat> like the times I feel most disconnected from God, the times that I hear the voice of God in my heart the least are the times that I feel shame. And 99% of my shame comes when I am in sin and when I am in sin, I believe the lie that I can no longer have fellowship with God because I begin missing the cross of Christ and I think that my works are breaking fellowship and I feel shame and so like Adam and Eve, I hide from God and as I'm hiding from God, I am missing the relational element that would literally tell me the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of the Father is with you. 
Shame is beginning to ruin this, and sin and shame go hand in hand. And so these times I have this unconfessed sin, times where I am actively walking in sin, times where I am thinking about all of these hidden things between me and God creates distance from God, and it leaves me out in the wilderness, and in the wilderness is where the vicious lion called Satan comes to devour you, family. We must not live in shame, but praise God, right? We are Christians, and so therefore, the pressure is not on you to overcome this shame. It's not that you will yourself out of shame. You're the one that put yourself in there in the first place. It's that you allow somebody stronger than you to take that shame off of you or to take that sin off of you. In comes our Savior, Jesus. Jesus was ashamed on the cross, was stripped naked that he might be shamed like Adam and Eve were naked in the garden. And he took on that shame and he took on that sin which should have left me out in the wilderness. Christ was cast out to the wilderness that I might be welcomed into the love of God. The gospel would tell us that we have access, we have fellowship if we would but plug into the spirit of God, family. This is what is yours in our Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ. Romans chapter eight, earlier in the same chapter, verse one, it says there is now no condemnation, right, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The Spirit wants to walk with us, wants to walk in us, and give us the power to overcome sin. You are not fighting your sin alone. You are not fighting your sin alone. And at times, we try to make this super complex, like, well, how do I kill sin? It's not that complex, y'all. Right? Acts chapter one, verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Second Peter uh, chapter one, verse three. That the divine power, who is that? That's the Spirit, same word there. The divine power has granted to you all things, okay, that pertain to life and godliness. You have power to overcome the deeds of the flesh because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, so it is not your power, it is his, but as you partner with the Spirit to to murder sin, you feel alive to Christ. You have koinonia with the Spirit. You hear the voice of God. You walk in the love of God. You receive the grace of Jesus. You come alive, family. Come alive, family of God. Say, awake to your dead soul and say, I want Jesus. I want to walk in this goodness of God. Come alive. It is yours, family of God. It is yours if you would walk in this, this intimacy, this love of the Father, the grace of Jesus. Listen, in this family, you hear God's voice more clearly. One of the biggest questions is like, hey, how do I hear the voice of God? Maybe sin is preventing that sound because you keep hearing the voice of Satan rather than God in your head. But as you walk in this fellowship, you hear God, you produce fruit more joyfully, more naturally, you walk in holiness by the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen, beloved, As we collectively kill sin, 
as a church family, the more that we do that, the more I believe we'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit and the more this place will burst forth with the aromas of the kingdom of God. And everybody will wanna come and be a part of this because they'll be experiencing the kingdom in beautiful ways. And so we can be empowered by the Spirit. And so point one is kill sin. Kill sin. How else do we form relationship? Well, sometimes relationship comes by running our dad's business, right? Doing the things of God, using the gifts of God, not just to be with him, but also to do with him as well. You see, friendship or relationship, it equals being with and it also equals doing with. And if we're not careful, there's this imbalance that often comes. You know some people really love, and they're like love languages, they love quality time, right? It's their thing. But if you have too much quality time, if all you ever want is just to be with the person and to spend time with the person and to always do everything with the person and to always be around the person, we call those types of people clingy. <laughs> and nobody likes those all the time, okay? Listen, and sometimes we could treat our relationship with God like that, can't we? Like, let's not cap here. We act like, oh, I just want Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, no, no. Also, we gotta do with Christ as well. We work with him, and as those two things work in unison, it becomes beautiful. Because contrarily, the person who never wants to be with and only wants to do turns into this practitioner or a business type of relationship, and that ain't the relationship you wanna have with God, y'all. He ain't a business partner, he's a father. But as you spend time with and do with, then there becomes this beautiful balance where you're able to uh, walk in the love of God. Uh, Romans 8, once again, we are now sons of God. That's this idea. This idea of sonship is not just about your uh, relational status, but the son in that culture ran the business of the father. And so you are doing with God as well. And so we now have no fear, the text would tell us as well. This reminds me of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. There's been this invitation in the series, not just for this internal relationship of the spirit, but into the things of the spirit as well. Prayer, the word, spiritual gifts, service, etc. Uh, the scriptures are calling us into the playground of the Spirit of God to be used by God to do beautiful things. Are you playing? Are you in the game? We are to be active as the people of God if we're to find relationship with the Spirit. And so as you act, you see the Spirit of God move. Ask anyone who's ever been on a short-term mission trip. As you are obedient to go, you see wild things happen, and you're like, wow, the Holy Spirit is real, and you want deeper fellowship with him. And so as you act, you begin to see God move. And so you act, God moves, then you're inspired. Kumbaya, okay? Uh, the next part of how we cultivate relationship with the Spirit is we allow him to remind us of the promises that are to come. We remember the promises of God. We reflect on and meditate. And listen, y'all, we let the Spirit speak those things into our heart. Romans 8, notice, it says, he bears witness with our spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to you, to your spirit, telling you that as a believer in Jesus, you are an adopted son of God. 
Son, very specifically there, not sons and daughters, because the son is the one who received the inheritance. At times it calls us sons and daughters, but at times it just calls us sons because all of us, just like we are all brides, we are not husbands just because I'm a man. No, I'm a bride of Christ because of what that signifies. So you are a son of God because you, son or daughter, have the inheritance of God. And the Spirit of God is trying to communicate that to your soul. Are you listening to him speak to you? Like, like we get an inheritance as if we were biological children of God. Come on, y'all. <laughs> right? Like, like we are heirs along with Christ Jesus. And yes, we will suffer on this earth. This text tells us, let's not get it twisted, but we're also going to enter into eternal glory. The Spirit is trying to form this relationship with you so that he can remind you of the promises of God often. Getting to be an heir here, we see, means so much more than riches as well, right? I think when we think of heir, we think of the word inheritance, but those two things are totally different. Uh, an heir is a person, an inheritance is a thing. And so, yes, you get an inheritance too in Christ Jesus, right? He became poor so that we might become rich in him. But you are an heir, meaning you have relationship with God. You now call him Abba, Father. It is one thing to receive an inheritance, but then to have no relationship with the Father, you don't want that type of inheritance, family. Like, an inheritance is a great gift, but the relationship is actually what you are after. Nobody wants just the money, y'all. That turns you into Paris Hilton or something, right? You want relationship, y'all. This intimacy that comes with the Father. You have more than money. You are now a son of God. You are an heir as if you were Christ Jesus himself. What? Doesn't that sound almost blasphemous to hear? It's because it almost is. Praise God for the cross of Christ. It's what creates this scandal of grace that we talk about, right? You are now an heir. And so the Spirit wants to remind you of this often. Do you hear his voice, saints? Do you hear the voice of the Spirit? Listen, I felt this in my spirit this week as I was preparing this, that some of y'all, you need to receive spiritual and emotional healing like even today in our gathering. Um, the Spirit of God, I believe, wants to bear witness through his word and wants to bear witness to your spirit, as we just read here, that God wants relationship with you, that God um, desires relationship with you. And so whatever self-condemnation that you hear from your flesh or whatever lies the enemy is consistently speaking over your life, you need to tell that mess to stop. You need to put that to bed. You are believing against the Spirit of God, against the Scriptures of God, which says there is no condemnation, not just in a, uh, you're way over here, God's like, yeah, I'm not gonna condemn you. No, he's bringing you in to have relationship with God, so much so the end of this chapter says there is no separation, no matter what you do. God wants relationship with you, family. Do you believe this? Do you hear the Spirit of God bearing witness receive the healing that you often condemn yourself with, family? There's no condemnation in Christ. I don't care what some demon says. I don't care what you say. God is more powerful than you. He is more powerful than your sin. 
He is more powerful than your lie. And so whatever you keep telling yourself that tells you you are not worthy of the blood of Jesus, that's just not true, y'all. The blood of Jesus overcomes our shame. It overcomes our sin. God wants relationship with you. Proclaim a better truth. God wants, wants. Don't forget that phrase. He wants a relationship with you. Hear this and allow the Holy Spirit to tell your spirit this. Be healed from your self-condemnation, saint. Be healed from it. Part of how we grow in our relationship with the Spirit is that he reminds us of the promises of God. And I hope you hear some of these promises today. Part of how we grow in relationship with the Spirit is that we actually have fellowship with one another as well. And so we have this intimacy with the church of Christ, with the bride of Christ, with the saints of God in general. Notice back in Romans 8, all of the plural uh, uh, pronouns that are used all throughout that section. That word you is hard to see in the English, but it's actually a plural pronoun. They just didn't have the word y'all yet because the South of uh, America wasn't invented at this time, all right? And so they didn't wanna say you guys, so they said you, but it's all plural. And so this is done in the context of community. Look at all of those things there that are plural. So you cannot have relationship with the Spirit of God by yourself. Let me say that again, in case you missed next series where we talk about fighting for community. You cannot have relationship with the Spirit of God by yourself. It is this corporate invitation. You see, when you see the Spirit of God working in somebody else's life, it bears witness to your spirit that the Spirit of God is active and that he wants to move in your life in that way as well to fall more in love with God ourselves. This is one of probably 50 reasons why corporate worship is so important. Shameless plug to June 24th, come worship. Listen, we get to grow in community with one another. Do you believe that? Are you seeing that? Are you receiving that? Additionally, another point is that I believe when we anticipate and see the Spirit moving in powerful ways, like we talked about two weeks ago, as we see the Spirit of God manifesting the power of God, it reflects to us the kingdom uh, to come. So we anticipate God's empowering presence. It reminds us that we're children of God. It reminds us of what we are going to, what is going to happen. It reminds us of the kingdom that is to come. And so as we stop focusing on the gifts and start focusing on the Holy Spirit of God who produces those gifts, it builds a deeper relationship with him in our hearts. You following what I'm saying here? Okay, like uh, practical. It was probably really, really easy for you to get into groups two weeks ago after we talked about prophecy and tongues and all this other stuff and to start arguing about gifts rather than talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And so you begin to make the actions of the Holy Spirit this mystical thing and you begin to turn the person into a thing and without really realizing it, you're talking about all the works of the Spirit without ever honoring the person of the Spirit and you begin to once again create this separate but the Spirit of God is a person that just wants to reveal to us the kingdom to come. And so listen, that's not to shame if you like start talking. It's good to think about and try to figure out how does this look, but I do wanna warn you, don't focus so much on what he does that you miss who he is. The Spirit of God wants to have koinonia with you, family, this fellowship, and we only receive that when we recognize who he is and worship him for that. I know this is subtle, it feels like they're close to the same, but it's so easy to impersonalize the Holy Spirit. Don't allow that to happen in your heart. 
Like, can, can I further, just real quick, demystify the Holy Spirit real quick? All right, next point then. <laughs> Dang. Uh, if you're a Bible nerd, you cannot answer this question, okay? And so if you were like grew up in Awana and somehow you know this answer, then don't be like shouting it out. You get no extra points with God or me, okay? But if you've never heard this before, I want you to guess, who do you think the first person mentioned that is uh, uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Who do you think the first person mentioned in Scripture is? Look, y'all better talk. We're going to be here all day. I said, don't answer it, dog, if you know the answer. Anthony saved y'all, all right? Exodus chapter 31. I know it's a hard question. Verse one. It says, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and knowledge and all craftsmanship. Um, so this dude just built things really well. That's literally what this is, okay? Like, I clearly have whatever the opposite of this spiritual gift is. I have this, like, spiritual curse, all right? I be touching things, they fall apart, okay? Uh, now, this doesn't mean that others weren't filled with the Spirit, right? Like, this is past Noah and Abraham and Lord. This is past Moses, who was clearly filled with the Spirit. He's pinning the words of the Scriptures. So it's not that other people weren't filled with the Spirit, but this person is filled with the Spirit. And I think what happens is, at times, we try to make the Holy Spirit all mystical and weird, and we miss just the simple works of the Spirit of God in our life. So we miss, we don't anticipate his empowering presence because we're missing how he's showing up. Y'all tracking with that? Like, like maybe the reason you're really good at, uh, I, I don't know, math, okay, or, or problem solving is because the Holy Spirit has given you some common grace as a way to honor God and to bless the world around you and through this bring the glory of God to creation. And so you're good at math which is actually a gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And now you have a good job so you can honor God with that job. Your job did not come from your good math skills, it came because of a gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And then we don't wanna tithe or give generously as if this is all from us. My bad, wrong sermon. Next series, okay, point. The Holy Spirit, he gives common grace gifts, okay? He performs miracles and shows you about the kingdom that is to come, like coming in a dream and saying, hey, touch my hand and you will live, that's a miracle. But he also does very common things. And if we realize this, we form relationship with him and we're more quick to worship him when he uses those common grace things in our lives as well. The Spirit is trying to communicate to y'all. That's my point, right? He's trying to communicate his presence to you through the gifts or through his church or through God's promises or through his sacred and holy word or through miracles and prophecy or through common grace or through the very breath in our lungs who the Holy Spirit bears the same name, breath. It's the same Hebrew and Greek word. It's because he is sustaining your very breath. It is the spirit of God that gives life, family. And he's trying to reveal this to us. The Spirit is wanting koinonia with you, fellowship with you. And a lot of us, we can have that fellowship if we simply realize like, oh yeah, I have the Spirit. And I can lean into that relationship. 
All of this, family, is possible because of the blood and the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus. Listen, go back to Romans 8. I love this phrase that says in there. It says that we can cry out, Abba, Father, right? That you and I have this ability to cry out. This is a really intimate, it's, it's kind of this imagery of like a child, but not because there's a helplessness, but because there's this deep desire for something. You and I have the ability to cry out, Abba, Father. What a phrase. What a phrase. Because in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, the same phrase is used. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, who by the way is the Holy Spirit, and then that's the end, he died. That's the last thing that he did was cry out. Jesus also cried out, Abba, Father, in the garden. As he's going to the cross, he says, Father, if there's any other way, let it pass, but not my will, but your will. And so Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, and yet he was rejected so that when you and I cry out, Abba, Father, we will be accepted forever, family of God. This is the reality the Spirit is trying to bear witness about And this is the beauty that we get to walk into. You cry out, Abba, and he listens, and you now have the love of God and the grace of Jesus because of the koinonia of the Holy Spirit. You are now an heir of God. You're an heir of God, which, by the way, usually the inheritance only goes to one son. Y'all know that, right? The inheritance goes to the oldest, and yet we all get it as if we're all Jesus, like I mentioned earlier. And this in part points to God's abundance, that you and I can truly receive it. God ain't no broke dad that only got enough inheritance for one kid. He has inheritance for all of the children of God. You are an heir and the spirit is evidence of this. And so how can you remember this inheritance that is to come if you are not connected to the reminder who is that inheritance, the Holy Spirit, on a consistent basis? If you're disconnected from the spirit, you won't remember what is to come and you will feel the suffering of this earth and feel like you cannot endure. But if you have the spirit who endures with and for you and in you, you can persevere till the end, family. You know what's coming. You know that you have all of eternity to enjoy the fellowship with Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. Praise Jesus for his spirit. Listen, family, if we're to push back darkness in this world or even in our own hearts, it ain't gonna be us. It's gonna be the spirit inside of us, sanctifying us, showing us the Father, bringing the light of the gospel to bear in this world. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us, family. And so admittedly, okay, some of you might still be like, wait, how do I have a relationship with the spirit? Okay, and I hope I gave you a bunch of starting points today. Like, whichever one you feel like, man, that's probably the one where maybe even the spirit is kind of telling you right now, as it pops on the screen, you're like, dang, that one. That might have been the spirit bearing witness to your spirit. Man, get in that starting block and start running. Try to find some relationship with him because he wants to remind you of the glory of God. But can I end this series with something that may be a little bit frustrating to some of us, but hopefully enlightening to all of us? Look at that, that was a little bit better, okay? (laughs) If you go like that, then they know, okay? Um, I wanna end this series thinking about this. I I have been struck, and I feel like it's the Holy Spirit trying to draw this out, so I just wanna share it. Uh, By the passage in the Gospels, some of you might be familiar with it, if you're not, that's okay, I'll try to explain it as best as I can, of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and touched Jesus and was healed. 
There's this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and ironically, Jesus is on his way to heal a centurion's daughter who's also 12 years old, ironically. And as he's on his way, this woman who's been bleeding, who should not have been able to come to Jesus or be around anybody because she would have been considered unclean in that culture, she sneaks behind everybody and she kind of dives forward and says she touches the fringe of his robe or his garment, and he stops and he says, who touched me? And then the disciples say, you're tripping, everybody's touching you. That's what they said, for real. He's like, Lord, you, you, you are out of your mind. Everybody is touching you. He says, no, 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 but somebody touched me. And the woman's trembling, and she says, hey, it was me. And he says, daughter, remember, he's going to heal somebody else's daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. I love this idea that it was her faith that allowed her to experience the intimacy that she longed for with Christ, Some of the relationship with the Holy Spirit family comes by faith. It comes as you are desiring this intimacy, as as you are reaching out to touch God, as you're kind of clamoring for and saying, I don't know what else to do with my life, but I need Jesus. It's why most of us experience Christ when we are broken because we come to an end of ourselves and we say, all I have is faith. And all of a sudden you experience the goodness of God. But we don't got to wait till we come to the end of ourselves, y'all. Right now we can say, God, I don't fully know what this looks like, but I want to touch you. I want to see you. I want this intimacy with you. Some of the relationship that you long for, it comes by faith, family. But if you have faith, if you say, I want to know God, God wants to know you. In fact, he already knows you fully. He wants you to know him more and he's beckoning you into this relationship. Why do you experience Christ in worship sometimes and then not in other times? Is it that God's not present one time? That would be false, he's omnipresent, he is always there. I think that at times is God's goodness to to shake in our dead hearts at times and awake us, hallelujah, but I think sometimes it comes through faith, y'all. We are wanting, we are longing this intimacy with Christ, and what do you know God meets us where faith is? It's the one thing he is always after in the scriptures, is our faith. And so as we desire the things of Jesus, guess what? We get the things of Jesus. As we desire more of Christ, we get more of Christ. As we reach out to touch the things of God, we get God, and when we touch the things of God, family, it changes our life forever. And so would we forever be a church who by faith says, I want more of Jesus. Whatever that looks like in my life, whatever that looks like corporately, help me to reach out and to touch the things of God. The well, Austin, I pray you would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I pray you would be filled with the Spirit of God and that you would know God's love for you and the intimacy that could be found in Christ because of that filling of the Spirit. Receive the Spirit of God family of God, receive him. He's already yours. There's fellowship. Remember that. Walk by faith. Have intimacy with him. Amen. I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, I, I, I want to actually pray how we actually started this series. Um, just in a moment of silence, just us in you, Christ, not me praying over us, but us praying to you, I pray that we would even open up our hands and say, God, I just, I want you by faith. 
and that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, you would remind us of the words of the scripture we just went over, you would say something new, you would just calm us with your presence, or maybe even you would prepare our hearts to hear from you three weeks from now when we really need it. I pray that we would be intimate with you even in this moment. I pray you would speak to us even now as we sit in silence before you, Christ. relationship with us, that you did not sit up in heaven and just watch us on earth struggle. You sent a comforter, a counselor, an advocate, a helper, the seal of redemption, the spirit of truth. That you bear witness with our spirit. You allow us to cry out, Abba. So Christ, I pray we would hear from you, not just today, like our entire lives. That we would hear you very clearly through your word that you impress on our hearts and our souls. We would hear you as you bear witness with our spirit. We would hear you through our brothers and sisters in Christ that we would know the love of the Father, the grace of our Christ Jesus. So God, I pray you would awaken that in us even today. For those of us who maybe don't really have a relationship with you, Christ, I pray that you would even bear witness right now, Spirit of God, you convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You bring us into the fold of God. 
And so maybe today for the first time you feel like you experienced the things of God, you heard the voice of God, you saw something you wanna be a part of. I think it's the Holy Spirit trying to bear witness with your spirit, the answer to life. And as you come to Christ, you experience that life. And so come to Jesus today. Put your faith in him, follow him. For those of us who have put our faith in you and who have followed you, I pray we would follow you forever. That we would, by faith, leap out through the crowd to just touch the very edge of your garment, Christ. Help us to desire you, Jesus. Praise in your beautiful name, Lord.